The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Good afternoon or good morning, depending on where your geographical location might be today. You guys know that I give you a moment to come into the room. It's 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let us know in the chat. Change your chat settings to everyone on the bottom right and tell us where you're tuning in from in the chat. I usually give a little spiel about giving you a moment. Shout out to Kirsten. You made it on time today. Thank you. Today, I'm going to tell you what this is not. This is not a technology bashing session. If you have an opinion, we want to hear it in the chat. However, negativity and toxicity will not be tolerated in the room today. This is a learning environment. Behave accordingly and let's have some fun today. With that said, we are changing our chat settings to everyone and letting us know where you're tuning in from. I am launching this question so that you guys can fill this in as you come in and we try to tailor these conversations based on some of these results. Uh, today, we are here to discuss how to get more quality deals through your sales tech stack. Tech stack, a hot topic. Oftentimes people overcomplicate these things. I am joined by two individuals that are experts in the tech stack space. Alexi, uh, say your last name for me so I don't mess it up. It's Pedrijos. Thank you very much. And Daniel, also say your last name one more time so I don't mess it up. <laughs> you might still mess it up, but it's Shmela. Hey, for those of you out there that are seeing his LinkedIn profile and wondering, Shmela is the proper way to pronounce that. So get it right when you reach out. Uh, they're from Chili Piper and from Apollo, two of my favorite staple pieces in a tech stack today in the modern selling environment. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Happy to be here. Before we get started, if you are looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help. Sell Better now offering an incredible membership with access to all of our training and resources. Scan the QR code on your screen, love the QR code, or visit sellbetter.xyz to learn more now. Big shout out to our sponsors, Chili Piper Wonderway and Apollo.io. I'm very amped to bring Apollo into the fold Welcome to the family, my friends. It's great to have you here with us among some of the best technology and the best people in the business. My friends Wonderway have also recently joined and we've been in the Chili Piper business for a hot minute. I'm dropping a link in the chat right now that's going to give you free access to over 60 million companies, accurate phone numbers, and some of the best emails that you're going to see. It's all about accuracy right now and these guys have got it down pat. So I'm putting it in the chat. Go get it. Daniel, you talked when we were preparing about this you said people have a bloated tech stack today. Give me the short and dirty version of what happens when too much tech is in the picture. Sure. Well, firstly, it's really great to be here. Uh, huge fan of John Barrows. I think I've now partnered with you at three orgs. So if you're watching this and you're like, are they legit? Does it work? It does work because sometimes all you have to do is provide value and the business comes. But I think what we're encountering now is an interesting point in tech where there are a lot of sellers who've only ever sold in an up market versus a down market. And there are a lot of RevOps people who've only done tech acquisition in an up market versus a down market. So basically what happened with all this massive optimism brought about by like investors like Tiger giving these massive valuations, giving people so much money is there was like a tool bonanza. So companies over-invested in tools. And now what we're finding is that these companies that might have originally had one purpose, they raised 100 million, they're expanding into having 10 purposes. So essentially what's happened is a lot of companies have kind of a bloated tech stack. They have four tools that serve the same purpose or one tool that uh, its purpose is just the feature of another tool. 
And the end result of this is actually that it's reflecting itself in your quotas, where like, let's say you're paying $36,000 for a software you could get for 10000 then that is going to make it so that your quota is literally higher. And it is a part of this recessionary cycle we're seeing, because a lot of the lack of expansion within these smaller software players comes from the fact that like, maybe their tool is just a feature of another tool, or maybe it never should have been purchased in the first place. So it's kind of scary. We'll see what happens over the next few years as, as tech consolidation hits harder. We're going to talk more about tech consolidation. Alexi, I'm going to pass to you after I tell people what they're going to get from us here today. Essential tech that every rep needs to have. Then we're going to talk about some things that can take you a step further. And then you're going to get that master level workflow conversation. We'll show you some good examples. These guys are going to share their screens, show you some cool real-time stuff. Uh, all right, Alexi, when I started in 2015, these were the three that I noticed were like the backbone of everything. You know, everybody had a CRM of their choice. They all had a marketing automation platform. And then there was a sales engagement tool. But you've added things to that workflow that have made sense for you. Tell me about one of the things you've added that's become an essential piece for your flow. Yeah, uh, again, also honored to be part of this show. Uh, and thank you, James, for setting it up. So uh, I'll start from the fact that back in 2015, back in 2016, you didn't have these masses of SDRs like outbinding everywhere. And the competition was a bit lower, in my opinion, to stand out from the crowd. Right now, the competition is very high. You need to do more to be able to stand out so vendor, so buyers can notice you. And you need to do exceptional stuff and things that you might have never tried before. So what we started doing recently, about a year ago in Silly Piper, is leveraging partnerships. Um, it's also relevant to my role because I'm leading partnerships at Silly Piper. But we were thinking of creative ways that we can help our SDRs prospect better and more targeted, more in a more personalized way. And we came across a tool called Crossbeam. Now there are even other tools in, in that market like Reveal, uh, but we're using Crossbeam internally. And I'll, I'll walk you through what this tool does so you can understand how you can potentially use it at your own company. All right, here, let me take this down. Go ahead and share it if you like right now so we can get into this tool uh, that's unique for your flow. Thank you, Dave. We're all so Crossbeam. Perfect, and what Crossbeam does here we have Apollo as an example, is that it helps you map out Salesforce reports with uh, similar reports from your partner company. So the way you can see it here is that Apollo is sharing with us the, their customers report and we are sharing three, three other reports, customers, open opportunities and prospects, they are the, the most crucial ones. And we're able to identify the customer overlap. Not only we're able to see the actual account overlap in terms of numbers, but uh, Crossbeam also allows you to see the actual accounts that are there. So how we use them internally is that we have uh, uh, the Crossbeam widget within our Salesforce. And if I jump on this tab, you can see that over here, let's say that this is an account that you want to prospect. Well, you can see on this widget what kind of partner tools this 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 prospect is using. So in this case, I've opened Chili Piper. So you can see that we're using Clearbit and we can see you can see that we're customers of Clearbit in this way. And what we did as a next step is that we created super personalized cadences within Salesloft. We call it the Clearbit cadence. That you know you can read a bit of, of our messaging here, but what we're saying is that you know we we recently uh, announced an integration with Clearbit and with adding Chili Piper to your already cleared and rich form, you can blah, 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 you know, the typical pitch from there. So we've seen that these uh, cadences are, are outperforming every other standard outbound cadence. I would say sometimes we even see double the numbers in, in terms of meetings booked uh, through running this cadence. 
And you can also run it not only with one partner, but essentially with your whole partner stack. So the idea is that you should go back to your partnership leaders and uh, ask them to to show you how this is done and and get you up, set you up uh, for success by running these super personalized cadences. It's a great demonstration and we appreciate that. Daniel, when we talked about this, you said there were three essentials that everything needed to revolve around. Drop those essentials and talk about the tech you've been using. Yeah. So first, I want to give a shout out to our amazing director of partnerships, uh, Jennifer Rima, who I think is in the uh, in the chat right now. Like she does all this stuff with PartnerStack and Crossbeam. And I'm thinking about it now. It's like she really should be here speaking in instead of me. So I'll give my commentary, but know that Jennifer probably would have done it better. But it's like if you go back and you look at like what a company needs, there are three things. You need a CRM, which is why Salesforce and HubSpot are like the biggest companies, right? You need uh, a way to reach your buyers, and then you need a list of buyers. So that places CRM engagement and data intelligence at the top. And my theory had always been that like everyone competes for fourth place because like who needs this fancy thing before you can actually email people? But what's interesting is um, and like let's take Chili Piper for an example. It doesn't fit traditionally under those three areas. But it's just like a simple equation. Like Chili Piper, what it'll do is it'll connect to your inbound form and then automatically qualify and route those leads right to the correct rep in real time, which yeah. means that people actually take those meetings and they actually convert. So it's like, maybe that's not on your top three list, but it's just a simple math. Like the cost of the tool is less than the added benefit you get by bringing it into your tech stack. But where it gets really interesting and where partnerships happen is like, what if one of those three essential tools like Salesforce were to build out something that kind of served the same functionality as Chili Piper? So firstly, Salesforce did try and build this. It didn't work. Um, so it's obviously quite a sticky product. But if that did happen, then Chili Piper would be forced to partner with someone else, a CRM, in order to maintain that competitive positioning. So what I think was really interesting about what Alexi said is that like Crossbeam is an example of companies not only thinking, how do our tools physically integrate, but how do we integrate our go-to-market strategies mm -hmm. so that we can undercut our competitors, potentially come in at a lower rate and just make all of our products so much stickier. So it's a really interesting space and like, we're going to see what happens. There could be a big consolidation coming in the, in the tech, uh, tech marketplace and we'll see what happens. I got a friend, uh, Kenny Green, shout out to my friend, Kenny Green over, uh, he was formerly at Ringlead. My man used to say the roll-ups are so incredible to watch happen. And now that I'm standing on the outside watching them happen, it really is remarkable. Uh, one of the things that I want to ask the folks in the room is what's your must have, you know, is it your CRM? Is it your scheduling tool? What's your must have that you cannot live without? Put it in the chat right now. That's what we want to see. Engagement tool. I love that. People that in that really adopt their engagement tool, they do some pretty amazing things with those tools. Yes, I'll put that that one more time. Scratchpad. We've seen Scratchpad a time or two. That's one that people pretty much rely on often. Uh, we've seen that. Uh, I want to move. Here's that that last slide for those of you that want. Feel free to take screenshots of these. Uh, yeah, like folks that. in the audience, you want to see As those we're doing things. this. Uh, I, I oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Rachel. I see you mentioned Gong here. Ah, it's yes. like a perfect example of the importance of tech partnerships. So we love Gong. We're partners. Um, and basically, if you look at Zoom Info, who also purchased Ringly, the company you talked about, they're offering Chorus for free to their customers. So, like, what happens when you're faced with that? Are you going to settle for an inferior product like Chorus versus Gong, or are you going to purchase Gong? But then what happens 
all of a sudden you're paying so much more. So it pushes companies like Gong to partner with companies like Apollo to get the data and come in together. And it's just like, it's so wild what's happening. Uh, companies are basically being forced to partner. And if you don't do that, you're going to be overpaying for everything or getting uh, like a lower quality tool. It's just wild. Things are heating yeah. up, especially in the enterprise where every company is essentially the same company now and they're all competing with each other. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with some of these smaller players. Alexei, weigh in on this uh, because I know you've you've been watching it too, and I, I want your opinion on this Tron uh, that's happening. <laughs> it's funny because I remember the first podcast we did together with Dan uh, back in times. It should have been like two years ago, and we we're talking about exactly the same thing that companies right now have two options. You know, one option is to become part of a larger Frankenstein, as Dan likes uh, calling this, like big companies acquiring everything, or just be friends with the market and like uh, form friendships, partnerships with tools that are in a similar size with your team and create better together their stories and then take them to market. Like th that's what City Piper has been doing lately. And I think Apollo is doing the same and we're seeing a lot of success. So that's my take. I think that. you're right, Alexi. The only thing I would add is that we are actually building like everything ourselves. So we haven't made a single acquisition. Like we're a product-led growth company, always been product-focused. In the last two years, we've grown about 700% revenue and uh, have over a million active monthly users. And I think it's because we're building everything ourselves versus patching it together. Because it's like, think about the times companies spend just building out integrations like with different tools. It's crazy. Like, yeah. I think the market's heading towards something where it's all aligned, where there's you find your contact in your database. Just, yeah. There's an entire industry just based on those APIs integrations. So yeah. Uh, that, you know, Zapier is out Zapier, there. Zapier, that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good good point. Well, I want to shift because you made something very clear that I thought was a good line. You you kind of alluded to it earlier, but when I said what's a nice to have that really helps salespeople, your first answer to me was a lower quota. Daniel. Uh, just Yeah, like well the answer. nice thing to have. Yeah, I I feel like I'm being kind of a broken record here, but like yeah, what would be nice would be to not have sales orgs shouldering the burden of poor software purchasing decisions that their leadership made. It's like, oh, I use this company in a past role. Well, my other person used this other company. Let's get them both. And like everyone's so happy until the tools aren't adopted and the reps are essentially paying for them. So what I would say to those listening, if you're a rep, you're really excited about your tool, like make sure there's not something else already replacing it. Because at the end of the day, when you overpay for software, that's reflected in your quota. If you have a team of 10 SDRs and you make a software purchasing decision of $30,000, that's mm. three thousand extra dollars per rep that you have to add. It's pretty wild. Do the math. That makes sense, Alexis. These three on this list that are the lower quota. Uh, you you said that I think Daniel introduced you to one of them. Talk about these pieces of technology and how they've been really great, nice to haves for you and your team. So. Before going into partnerships, I was also an SDR for about two years, uh, so I've been through it. I think what was very helpful in Text Expander is that you can use it, especially in Sales Navigator. You can build a list with all the titles you care about and you want to prospect, and instead of writing like 20 different titles, you can just do a copy paste from Text Expander and like show all these titles. And um, then also build with and. Uh, it really helps you understand the tech uh, stack of a, of a prospect by looking at their JavaScript and what's running on their website. It's similar to Crossbeam, it's a technographic, but in a different, from a different point of view. So it helps you understand what they're using without needing to partner with them or like connect with them or build a common go-to-market strategy. 
um it's a, like a taking a peek uh, through the keyhole in a way um uh, and it's very interesting another tool that is very interesting and it has been helpful for me at least in the past and is also actually viper partner right now is tolstoy you can type go tolstoy.com to check it out it's a uh, free to use for individuals uh video tool video prospecting tool um and it's you know it has provided a lot of benefit to our team and yeah, super helpful we're going to move to talk about workflow soon, and we've discussed a lot of tech here that fits into your workflow in one way or another, uh, but I wanted to ask y'all how you would describe your current workflow while we move to Daniel and talk a little bit about this uh, process that people need to be diving through. It's like swimming through a sea of technology, but you know what, especially for new people, a lot of new people come in and they just get a lot of tech thrown at them. What's the best way to segment their time and your experience to be able to learn the necessary technologies to build a workflow that works for them? I love that question, James. And first I would say that like, if you're in the industry for a while, maybe you have some tools that you use on a personal level that you bring with you from org to org. And I would say like, before you dive into like this intent tool and that one, how you can use them all, just like check your bases. Like, are you using a basic snippet tool? Do you have a text expander tool? Here's a tool that I use a lot. It costs $5. I bring it with me in every company. It's called Better Snap Tools. So I can like navigate my tabs like crazy. I can make this full screen. I can go to the second tab, third tab. I can go over here, make it like pop tabs out. Just like it's crazy stuff. It sounds like a small thing, but when you're navigating your tabs 50% more efficiently than your competition, that means you're saving like 15, 16 seconds every single click of your mouse or like five seconds. That adds up to minutes per day, to hours per week. So what I would say is like, what you should do if you're entering and trying to understand a tech stack is first think like, what is going to make me more efficient? What is high leverage? How when I write something, can I template it and reuse it? How is it that as, as along my journey, all the assets I produce are, are templatized and put into a situation where I can access them in the future. And like, once you think about like each time, like every one-time input and in things I'm writing should, should become uh, like an asset I can use more broadly unless it's hyper-personalized. So after that, I would, I would talk to your mops person and, and say like, Hey, what tools do you really want me to use? Or, or ask your manager, because it's like when you're in there, like struggling to use tools, there's often an enablement team, someone who purchased that software, who's like, please account executive, like just log, log this properly or press this button here, or try this. Because ultimately like good software is purchased to make you more efficient. Uh, and a lot of people just don't use it fully. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, that's what I got. I want to, I want to give a one, two, three that I've been using for a long time. And it's my list builder, right? Where I can zero in on my target personas, the people that I sell best to. And then I move to the data provider that will give me the contact information. And then I move to my Apollo or my sales engagement, that one, two, three motion with a good context and some good personalization is a great workflow. And that's what we're going to talk about next is workflow. Uh, are either of you in, and let's look at some of these results right here, since we did ask that question for everybody, how would you describe your workflow? Look at this. Rocky at times needs an overhaul are clear winners here. <sighs> Kudos to you for being honest about that. For those of you in the chat, uh, tell us in the chat what your nice to have tool is the one that you not your staple but you're nice to have what's the nice to have that's been feeding you great leads or great opportunities uh alexis 
uh, let's talk a little bit about how you build these workflows. What are you looking for as a leader and what should frontline people have the grace to do themselves versus go to leadership and get some level of guidance for building a tech stack out? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think it also mirrors what we were saying uh, before uh, about the whole integration, because you were, we were explaining about you, the, the fact that you have a, a place where you build a list, somewhere you get the data and then a way to start sending the emails. I know that Apollo does it all, like you can find the info from there. So they have integrated that workflow of uh, that you're explaining within one tool. This is one way to go, and, and it's amazing to see. Another way to go is to build integrations around these tools. So I remember as an SDR, back in the days, we were using LeadIQ, and I had a way from LeadIQ to, to visit uh, somebody's profile on LinkedIn, and then with a the click of a button, roll them up in a cadence on, on SalesLoft. So even though it's, it's not the same tool, but they still have built these connections that uh, facilitate these workloads, so, so you don't need to change tabs and... Uh, like lose that productivity Dan was talking about before. Um, so it starts from there, creating that workflow. And then once it's successful, and even the what I was showing you before with Crossbeam and everything you can do, when something is successful, it's a duty for the leader to be able to communicate that internally and get people adopting that workflow and, and having a consistent strategy because a, consi a consistent strategy leads to consistent results. And... Um, it's all about creating that consistent strategy and communicating it and preaching about it within the team, asking people that have done it and have seen success from it to join you in amplifying that strategy. And then again, make it consistent across the organ. Go. I love consistency. That, yeah, I was going to point out the consistency there at the end. I think the consistency is probably one of the hardest things to drill down into. But in order to do this, I think there's two sides of the fence to focus on. There's the paid app side, which I believe should be something that people should pay attention to, but often it's provided by a leader or a company. And then there is the free stuff that's out there. Now, I know that Apollo has a free version, I believe, and Daniel, I'm pretty sure that you'd be comfortable talking about it. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. So basically, Apollo is the only uh, freemium, like large player in the space right now. And I think it's part of the reason for our success, right? Because other company just put gate, uh, they put gates around the buying process. So essentially with Apollo, you can, I'll just show you some stuff really quickly. I'm not going to be a demo. Don't worry. But here's Alexi. Just kidding. This is his, his twin brother, Jim. Um, but if I could in the app for free, I can just click on the app in there and I can get everyone's contact information. I can one drop them into a sequence. I can get their phone number, things like that. I also could do it on a company level. I could go to intercom. It'll give me an oversight of all this insights here. I can look at the employees. I can search by persona and add them to it. So this is all free. And we really believe that there's actually a huge problem within a lot of software and that like a lot of these world-class tools are not accessible. And like what we're trying to do is we're trying to make world-class go-to-market accessible to everyone. And that's why we have a million users. So what I would say is like, firstly, if you want to try out these tools, do it. Uh, I'll drop a link in the comments to, to try it for free. But it's like, Go out there and find your minimalist tech stack. You can before you invest. Um, yeah, you can get the phone number, Lydia. It's pretty wild. You basically can get everything until you ask the phone number and email for free. And then those cost credits. But Jen can comment if if I'm saying this wrong. I've only been here two months. Um, <laughs> but it's like basically what I would say is like, what are the tools that make you higher leverage? What are the tools that minimate, uh, eliminate manual work and then add 
uh, like add automations. And then the last thing I would say is like when it comes to a process, there's two aspects. One is like, what is the process actually? And two is how do we follow the process? The easiest way to follow the process is to ask. And I know reps are like, what do you mean to ask? But like, show me an enablement leader who isn't super grateful when their reps are like, hey, how do I follow this process better? Or how do I do all this other stuff? Like, just ask, like ask what the process is. And sometimes you'll find there is no process. Yeah. And then you can help build that process and get promoted. Yo, that's what I do. I build processes all the time because they help me to do things more efficiently when I need that process. Alexi, I know that you are a process person too. I want to give three things that I use all the time. I use the Vidyard free Chrome extension all the time. And then I also, before I became a customer, and then I also used Bitly consistently so that I could track how well my links were performing and know where I was sharing them that were most effective. That was always very important for me so that I knew what I was driving and I could attribute my successes back to that. And then obviously things like G Suite and stuff. Um, all right, we talk about uh, overload, but Alexi, when you're organizing these tech stacks, is it the best to try multiple things and go with the one that suits you best? Or are you looking for, as a leader, are you looking for this thing solves this one specific problem that I have and that's what I'm going to go with? Or do you step back and you go, let's look at the big picture and accomplish as much as we can? How do people buy these days, these types of things? Well, you just said the right words in the, on the final part of the question, these days, right? These yeah. days, I don't think these days are days where we can try a lot of things and try out things. There is an urgency across every, every sales org to perform. So personally, as a leader, um, we've already established our processes within Chile Piper, but if I was ever like going in another company or another role where I needed to perform, I would go with something I've tried before and it, it's working. We will have time down the road to review other solutions and try different things. But when this, this urgency to perform, especially during these days, and I think everybody uh, out of our attendees uh, should be feeling that, uh, it's better to do something that's been tried out, at least from a leader's perspective, it's working and you can go in and bring these very valuable qualified meetings to, to the table. Yeah. Uh, Dan, maybe another opinion. No, I think you're so right. I would, I would add, like, if you're looking for a little more structure about it, you build out your 30, 60, 90, and it's like, okay, what are my goals? All right. What are the tools I need for my goals? Like, what is in the critical path? Like, if I don't have an email tool, I'm not going to be able to follow up with people. I need that. Those are your number one priority. But I actually would disagree slightly, not disagree. I think a lot of companies don't have the luxury of experimentation, like you said, uh -huh. Alexi. But if you do... I would suggest you also find, you know, maybe once a quarter, a tool that you can trial out that might be like a bigger, longer play move. So like maybe this tool takes three months to implement or something. So from day one, you find your essential tech stack, get your work done. But you also think, are there tools that can make a bigger bet for you that, that can then create kind of foundational support? Some tools I like to get right off the bat, and I'm like a community marketer, but like there's a great cool tool called testimonial.io. And... Uh, it just allows you to like gather love from everybody and put it in one place. Yeah. So, like as you're thinking about tools, balance short-term interest with long-term interest, but also try to find a tool that'll give you an immediate short-term win. It'll just make all your future sophomore procurement way easier because people know you're actually um, you're actually making good software decisions because they drive. Exactly that. I mean, you get short-term wins, get the confidence that you need and the belief from your leadership, and then you'll have the time and brain space to trial things out like Dan said. 
Yeah, you guys. Yeah, and I seen some amazing sales loft. Uh... Oh, go ahead, James. Oh no, you go ahead. Well, at the risk of shouting out a competitor, I just love sales loft. Not as much as I used to, since we built a cadence solution that competes with them. But Danita's putting some awesome resources in there, where where Sales Loft has built out a ton of really wonderful free resources that I uh, I hope you check out. Um, but I mean, free tool. That's the well, that's the ultimate. Using two competing products, knowing what's out there for competition, is all part of being a great decision maker when it comes to software and keeping a nice, efficient stack. Efficiency is like akin to a successful tech stack if it's not efficient you're just putting more barriers in front of your sellers and your buyers and that's creating friction in their processes which brings me to my next point i want everyone that's in the room to put the number of technologies they currently use every day or that they have at their disposal how many technologies do you have be honest about the number if you need to take your shoes off to count the amount of technologies that you have i will understand i see sixes I see fours, a lot of fours. Uh, these got, numbers are lower than I expected. These are much lower than I expected. Oh, there's an eight. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> the lower it. numbers, they could just be Apollo users, right? They have their intent, their data, their sequencer, their CI. They have everything in one tool. Oh, look at Alfonso. 15 to 20. That's the numbers I was expecting right there. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about the tech overload. You call this a bloated tech stack and... I just want to point to all the different departments for a moment and the ways that this impacts adoption specifically. So we want to go from how this happens and then we want to give a strategy for avoiding tech overload, even when you have a bunch of it at your disposal. Uh, I will start with Alexi. I think I mentioned that before. It's, you know, consistent strategy builds consistent performance and usually below the tech stack is coming from the fact that it's different person. I would say team, but even it's, sometimes it's even that if it's different person is using their you know their own tools, in a way, and this ends up down the line once you know if you're picking one tool as an SDR and, and then the company also enforces a second tool, you end up just using fifteen tools like Alfonso said before. So I would say there is to be a, there needs to be a more centralized way of handling tech stack. Most companies have been pushed into that anyway due to the bad market. And everything happening around us um so uh, the market pushes us this way but uh, i'm a big fan of like really making something work and, and then expanding to another software i think dan mentioned that before you know start with the basics and then see if you can add up add, add on something that that works a bit better but uh, it's a big issue to have this you know bloated tech stack i think it's creating incons inconsistent performance and th that's why you see um very diversified performance across sdr teams because uh, people end up doing different things and because the wild west everybody's doing yeah. different things you can't repeat it yeah. right and and with with so many sdrs out there outbounding uh, there there are times where tools are just looking for users and they might be outbounding sdrs and pro you know was promising something like i don't know like a 50 dollar amazon card or something like that and this is the way they're attracting this free user base with sdrs but in the end of the day you know they're just there's no consistent use of that tool and the tool itself like won't be able to upsell and, and get a regular customer. So I think RevOps teams just need to be a bit more careful on, on what their teams are using and how yeah. they use it. Yeah, no, so I would highlight three. I, I just agree with you. Agree, not disagree. Alexi, you're brilliant, man. 
I just like can't wait to continue to watch your career as you grow. And then maybe someday you'll hire me and we'll all, we'll all make more money. So I see, uh, I see like three big problems. Now, obviously there are more, but like when you have a bloated tech stack, it hurts the rep, which we've already discussed by increasing their quota. But it also hurts two folks that you might not think. It hurts the customer. So the reason it hurts the customer is like, let's say I'm a marketer emailing my customers and I have five tools. I have like an intercom, I have a customer.io and I have HubSpot. When you have so many tools, it becomes really difficult to track what's actually going on at your company because you don't know if a prospect was emailed via sales loft or DM'd on LinkedIn or whatever, engaged with some sort of chat. So like, uh, like, consolidating your tech stack, it makes it way easier to effectively track what's going on at your company. So you don't end up like really annoying customers. And the last group that this hurts is actually hurts the companies themselves because like companies, you know, they need to accurately forecast, right? So when they sell a tool to someone uh, that, and it, that maybe wasn't a good purchasing decision because it's like a symptom of a bloated tech stack, that, that person is much more likely to churn. And what happens is when you sell a tool and then your customers churn without expecting it because you thought a bloated tech stack was okay, that's when you have to do layoffs. That's that's when you're not able to accurately forecast what's going on. So uh, yeah, and it also hurts as uh, as Lisa said, hurts the rep. Like like really, I have to my, like the job of a seller is hard enough without having to shoulder the poor purchasing decisions of execs who are just going off like what they think from a past role versus like making informed decisions about how quickly software is moving and how AI is changing everything. Please give everyone an address where they can send you a thank you note for that incredible piece of insight that I think we've all been sitting in the chair feeling at times. Uh, I have a question about data. Adopting new tools is tough. Tech building integrations is tough. Uh, and those can be really challenging when you're working with two teams doing two different things. They have the same basic idea. They want to work together to create more revenue, more opportunities, more conversations, more connections. How long should we try something new and exciting and collect the data before we let it go and say, this is not working? Alexi. Um, what we've done internally at Chili Viper and it worked well on that trial uh, part is that we used to have a role called Trailblazer SDR. Uh, I think we still do. Uh, the role of this SDR was to practice new things. So they had a lower quota um, just because they were practicing new things and trialing out new techniques. So if it was working uh, for the Trailblazer and consistently, I mean, for a quarter or two quarters, uh, then we were moving this strategy into the more broader, the, the broader SDR team. So that's why how we, we tested things. And I think it's also a nice role. It gives another path for SDRs, first of all, instead of becoming a senior SDR, they can become trailblazers, come up with innovative ideas on how they can do things and innovating. And it, it, it was super nice to see. And that's our that was our brags. We didn't really look back uh, retrospectively into data and try to figure out like everything very um, uh, looking through like a million numbers. We really had one role that was dedicated to that. Now during these days, a lot of companies will say that this is too good to be true, like having a, a, an SDR just for trialing out things. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a strong opinion on that. For us, it was working well. That's why I, I have a strong opinion. Do it's it. brilliant. It's brilliant. Like the trailblazer team at Chili Piper 
is so brilliant because it's like sales is evolving so fast. And if you don't have a mechanism within your company to try new things and evolve alongside the speed of the market, you're just going to miss out. So big shout out to Nicola, Alina, uh, Matt, Julian, and the, the sales team at Chili Piper for putting that program together. And Joey, who who runs the team. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's really smart. If you're not experimenting, someone else is, and then you're going to find out all of a sudden that they've outflanked you. Yeah, I think if uh, I'll put another strategy in front of you, and I, I appreciate all of that, and I love this, having somebody dedicated to it, but this is a good strategy as well. If you're looking at four different technologies that accomplish the goal you're looking to accomplish, and you don't know which one to go with, go ahead and buy two licenses for the year. Give one to one of your sellers, give one to the other, and collect oh, wow. the data. Which one is going to be the one that everybody adopts? The one that performs better, right? But I need to be able to collect enough data to make a good decision long-term for the team, especially enterprises. I think I, I that could work. I think some RevOps folks are like, what? What did you... Because it's like, I think you could be right. It depends on the tool. But like in some cases, there's such a big RevOps burden for these tools. Purchasing two and trialing them for a year kind of makes me nervous. But maybe it is like it's so tough to figure out what's best because like we live in all these varying degrees of echo chambers and we're not sure what's real or what's not. Uh, so it's really hard to pick the best software. I would Generally, rather yeah. I, I would rather be the seller on both ends talking about it and knowing that there's a competition happening for a year so that I could earn the stripe. These are like two year sales cycles at twenty five million dollar contracts anyway. Like, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's different if you're talking like uber enterprise like goodness knows like somebody approach us with that deal and then like i'll help you close it you refer us a ton of business like if i was like let's see which one's better i'd be like passing leads to the person using the apollo sequencer that's pretty funny yeah the, the one other thing i would say on um on like selecting what's tool it's right for you is it's like and maybe this is not as relevant to the audience here but i would say like it's not always your job as a rep to do that. Like mm. one other way you can do that is just ensure that's a very strong centralized rev ops team in the company. And I would recommend you do it like Henry Mizell's team at Apollo, where it's like rev ops is its own department that owns sub-disciplines within departments. So like marketing ops, it doesn't report to the VP of marketing, it reports to the VP of rev ops. Sales ops, it's the same. Because like there are people whose job is to professionally evaluate software. Sure, every once in a while they get it wrong. They go with Zoom Info instead of Apollo. It's happening less nowadays. But like you need to make sure that like those people who are trained to do something in particular, like are empowered to make those decisions in the org. Um like goodness knows some of these softwares, like I'm pretty technical. I don't even know how to evaluate them versus each other. Well, a lot of I think evaluation process comes down to how well it's adopted. Alexi, uh, mm -hmm. when we were talking about this. You said to me that recognizing wins internally and externally was probably a dominant factor in strong adoption. Uh, you told me a story about somebody that closed some deals with some vouchers, and then that became like this thing. Uh, talk to our people. Tell that story for our audience. How did this go down? Yeah, so with Chili Piper, we recently launched, well, not that recently, it was about six, seven months ago, we launched an initiative called the Partner Vouchers, where our partners are able to give vouchers, discount vouchers to our prospects, so they can buy Chili Piper at a reduced cost. Um, and for quite a while, while this initiative was stalling for some reason, uh, and, and everybody was curious, I was like, what's going on? Like, there, we have another way that we can accelerate sales cycle, it should have been working. Um, and this was the case up until one of our reps starting closing deals uh, super fast using the vouchers. 
And obviously, she, she sent me a message. This happened recently, about a month ago. She sent me a DM on Slack saying, Alexis, thank you so much. Uh, your vouchers were one of the reasons that I was able to get my senior account executive promotion. I was like, go and write that in the channel. Like, please don't congratulate <laughs> Just write that on the on the Wings channel. And well, when she did that, yeah. this internal amplification worked out super well. They could see that for somebody this is working and they just started using that a lot more. And I, I'm not putting the blame on reps. Reps are extremely busy these days, super busy. Like sometimes they cannot think of out of the box strategies or new launches or new enablement material because they're just stuck to doing good and trying to promote the company and close deals. So uh, the blame is not on them. It's always the enablement's fault. Uh, and the times that we are in but uh, i think again uh, communicating wins is, is the best strategy to start uh, i like help. both of those i like both of those nuggets the one where the voucher became something that everybody was like oh i gotta do this i have to do it right it became the success vehicle and then the other part is like yes absolutely we need to be able to try these things out and set a standard and celebrate them internally so that they catch fire I'm going to ask one more question here. We've talked a lot about the different pieces of tech stack here. I want to know from you, the folks that are in the room, which category of tool is your tech stack missing? That's the thing that we want to know from you. Dan, when you told me about this quote that your dad gave you, <laughs> I, I, I really loved it. Uh, it turned out it came from an author, Jerry Sternin. How does this quote apply to adopting a tech stack, finding new tools and making them the best tools out yeah. there for your team? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, my dad gave me all these quotes as a kid. Then he told me they were Mark Twain quotes. And then today we found out it's not a Mark Twain quote. So a doubly misattributed quote. Uh, but I want to mirror something that, that Alexi said. Being a sales rep is probably the hardest job, except for CEO, anywhere in a company. It depends on the CEO. And I really do believe, and if you're watching this and you have a beef with marketing, like take this. I'm a marketer. Marketing needs to make the first step. Marketing needs to reach out to sales to support them. And the same is true with enablement. So the quote, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. You can't tell reps, hey, by the way, if you don't sell this deal, you're not going to be able to afford your loan. But at the same time, just trust me, even though I haven't done anything good in the past, it's a good tool. Go in and d dedicate 30% of your time to it. Work in there. Like You need to show reps value. Exactly what Alexi said. And I think this is true both with tool acquisition and also with partnerships. Like I came into marketing at Apollo. One of my first things was to show value to the reps so that they'll follow up with the leads that we send them by direct introing them. And the same is true with software. For example, at Apollo, we know that once someone adds someone from our database to a cadence, auto sends it out with such incredible automation, and then it books a meeting. That's the aha moment for them where after that, super smooth sailing. They're going to adopt more features. They're going to do all this stuff. It's uh, the burden of MOPS, RevOps. It's the burden of marketing to educate their reps on how to do this. Because in today's climate, when like only 65% of reps are making quota, they like literally don't have the luxury of trusting other people's software recommendations. Like it could literally destroy their career. So you need to show them and lead them to that, that first moment of truth. And that once the actions are there, they realize I do this thing, I make more money. Then I believe reps will have an organic natural incentive to actually adopt these tools. It's not easy to do, uh, but do try and pay attention to your enablement leaders because I guarantee you the highest attaining quota, uh, uh, the highest quota attaining reps out there are augmenting themselves with technology. And they're using not just the basic features of the tools they have. They're using a lot of the features. Technology is making us more efficient. We can't deny that. 
Oof, what a good note to end on. Alexis, how can people connect with you? Where can they go? Well, with me personally, just send me a connection request on LinkedIn. Uh, for the for Chili Viper, go to chiliviper.com. Check us out. I just also type it on the chat. If you're missing out there, a scheduling tool, we'd be happy to help you out. And Chili Viper is more than that. So let me know. And again, if you have any questions you think about that, post the show, just send me a DM on, on LinkedIn. I'm pretty responsive. Daniel's LinkedIn is also in the chat. Uh, Daniel, any final thought you want to leave everybody really fast? We got like 30 seconds. Uh, I appreciate you all. Sales is so hard. You're doing amazing. You got this. Work with marketing. They just want to help you. Jennifer, if you're still watching, you're legendary. I'm very happy with the stuff we're doing at Partnerships here. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, linkedin.com slash great marketing or try out our tool for free here. Thank you so much for coming to the show, everybody. We want you to reach out to us, connect with us on social. You can follow us, sellbetter.xyz. Check out our new website to learn more about how we can help you to sell better and keep getting better every day. That's the name of the game. We'll see you tomorrow for another stellar guest to help you make it happen. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, James. Thanks, Alexi. Thank you all.